What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. New Heights with Jason and Travis Kelsey is in its second season, and the show is already off to a hot start. The NFL podcast has topped the sports charts for more than a year now, and the Kelsey brothers are building a legitimate media business for retirement. So today, I'll walk you through exactly how this podcast got started. We'll talk about how much money a top sports podcast like this can make. I'll explain the company that's producing the show and consistently making them go viral. And lastly, we'll examine the rise of athlete-hosted podcasts. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode, so let's get right into it. So I don't think it's any secret that the sports media landscape has changed a lot over the last several years. TV has become less important, of course, and many professional athletes are now using podcasts to capitalize on their audience and build a media asset for retirement. But there's just one problem. Most of these podcasts aren't actually any good. I have this funny quote that Pat McAfee said on his show last week on ESPN. He said, there are some players who do podcasts and they're crap, absolute crap. They don't say anything. They're literally stealing money from whoever is giving them money to do the podcast. So for that, we applaud it. Good hustle, good racket, way to do it. But also, your show stinks. Let's maybe do some stuff. If you're gonna do a show, let's do it. Now, maybe some of you say that's harsh, but Pat is right. The dirty secret about this business is that many athletes are being paid six figures and sometimes potentially seven figures to host podcasts for existing media companies. These athletes don't come up with the topics. They don't own the intellectual property. They don't manage ad sales. They don't talk to the editors. They don't worry about growth. And I would argue that most of them don't even care about the show's success. So why is this happening? Well, I think many people are trying to recreate the success of New Heights with Jason and Travis Kelsey, the Pat McAfee show, and many others. So let's talk about it. The origin story of the New Heights podcast goes back several years. The story is that Philadelphia Eagles all-pro lineman Jason Kelsey had traveled from Philadelphia to Kansas City to watch his tight end all-pro brother Travis play in a game for the Kansas City Chiefs. After the game, the two brothers went to dinner with their agent and manager, and they sit at this table for hours, and they're just bantering back and forth. They're talking about how to block linemen. They're talking about the game of football. And they're just joking. And they're saying, man, this would make a great podcast. It was the funniest shit I ever heard, said Kelsey's manager, Aaron Eanes. When I was sitting there, I'm like, okay, that is literally the show, being a fly on the wall for their dinner conversation. But then things really took off when Santa Monica-based media company Wave Sports and Entertainment, WSE, pitched the Kelsey brothers on a show. The concept was pretty simple. Jason and Travis Kelsey would record weekly episodes on their off day during the NFL season, typically Tuesdays. They were free to talk about whatever they wanted, and they could do it all from a temporary studio set up in each of their homes over Zoom. Wave would then be in charge of the show's production and distribution. Now, one of the things that makes Wave really interesting, especially from a football content perspective, is Wave owns a bunch of different social media accounts. And one of the accounts, the brands that they own, is called Jukes. If you're on Instagram or TikTok, you've probably seen them because it's a football-based page. They have 2.4 million followers on Instagram and 3.3 million followers on TikTok. So the strategy was easy. It was Jason and Travis, you go on Zoom, you create this podcast. We're going to cut short-form clips off of that snackable bite-sized stuff. We're going to post them to our own social media accounts 
to drive people and listeners back to your show. And the best part is that it worked beautifully. WSE has pumped out hundreds of short-form stackable clips across TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube shorts. This has resulted in 3.5 million new followers for the New Heights social channels just one year after launch. For context, they have 900,000 subscribers on YouTube. They have 670,000 followers on Instagram. They have 1.6 million followers on TikTok. They have 160,000 followers on Twitter. And they have 188,000 followers on Facebook. Again, 3.5 million social media followers across all of the accounts just one year after launch by using this distribution strategy. Now, the name New Heights Podcast is a play on Cleveland Heights, Ohio, where the Kelseys grew up and saying, hey, this is a new project, New Heights Podcast. This show immediately shot up the charts instantaneously, essentially, when the show was launched. It's consistently been ranked a top five sports podcast on Apple and Spotify during its first season. It held the number one sports podcast on Spotify for four straight months. It was talked about on primetime segments on Monday Night Football, Sunday Night Football, There's a Forbes article about them, and it was even voted Sports Illustrated's top podcast of the year. Now, if you want to zoom out and look at the money, I think that part is especially interesting. New Heights reportedly charges, according to the Forbes article, 100% higher CPMs than the industry standard for podcasts. I've heard of other podcasts doing this. You can talk about Bill Simmons or Joe Rogan or any of the top podcasts, really. If you have more demand than you have supply for advertisers, you're able to charge higher fees. It's just basic supply and demand. And from what I can gather about New Heights is they're able to sell out the inventory on their podcast months in advance, right? Basically, the whole second season at this point is sold out from an advertising perspective. And when you have that type of demand, you're able to charge higher rates. So they're charging what amounts to 100% higher CPMs than the industry standard for podcasts in their category. They're working with blue chip sponsors too. It's not like they're just going out and getting random people that are able to pay a lot of money. No, they're working with DraftKings, LinkedIn, and Athletic Greens. And they also launched merchandise during the first season of the show that sold six figures of merchandise within weeks of launch. It was one of the best podcast merchandise launches of all time on the platform that they launched it. Extremely, extremely impressive. And the show has also opened up other opportunities for them. If you look at the episodes that they have, some of them are just Jason and Travis messing around on camera, but every once in a while, I think it's once a week or once every other week, they do an episode with an interview, an individual. They've had Patrick Mahomes on. That one did 3.4 million views. They had Shannon Sharp on. That one did 2.1 million views on YouTube. They had Julian Edelman on. That one did 1.9 million views on YouTube. They had Jalen Hurts on. That did 1.8 million views on YouTube. So my point is simple. They're not only getting advertising revenue. They're not only getting followers. They're building themselves other opportunities, whether it's through media or endorsements or other things like that. For example, some of you have probably seen there's a new commercial going on nationwide throughout the country for Campbell's Soup. It has both the Kelsey's brothers in it and their mom, right? So they have this new commercial deal. Amazon Prime also recently released a documentary titled Kelsey. Now, this documentary was supposed to follow around Jason Kelsey on what was believed to be his last year in the NFL. He's coming back this year, so it wasn't his last year. But it's still super interesting because you get a behind-the-scenes look at what it takes to get to a Super Bowl. I mean, he played his brother in a Super Bowl. He ends up losing and his brother wins, but they have footage from all of that. You also get a behind-the-scenes look at the podcast, how it was started, what it takes to produce every week, 
the success of the show, the fame that has come from it, and so forth. So that is super interesting. The reviews of that have been spectacular so far. And last but not least, Travis Kelsey. He has reportedly been spending some time with the world's most famous artist today, Taylor Swift. Now, many other athletes have and will try to copy this approach. Wave Sports Entertainment, for instance, has already said publicly that they want to build an entire podcast network around this idea, using their production capabilities and social distribution to partner with athletes and launch their media careers. But distribution is only one part of the equation. A large reason why New Heights is so successful is because Jason and Travis Kelsey are actually talented. The conversation flows naturally, probably because they're brothers. There is a behind-the-scenes feel to the content, and they are great, great at digging interesting content out of their guests. And with the Kelsey brothers recently signing up for the NFL's broadcast boot camp, this is a camp for those of you that don't know that essentially prepares NFL players for life after football, getting them into media and giving them training on it. The Kelsey brothers have already signed up for broadcast boot camp, but this podcast has essentially turned into a huge audition tape for their post NFL career, right? So they don't need to have reels or TV appearances to go and show these networks. The networks already know what they can offer. And in most cases, they may not want the networks. So obviously the Kelsey brothers aren't the only athletes doing podcasts today. One of the other most famous ones is Pat McAfee. He just signed a new deal with ESPN. You have JJ Reddick with The Old Man and the Three. There's a new podcast also out from Wave, which is Podcast P with Paul George. The Draymond Green Show on the volume is incredibly popular as well. The Pivot Podcast with Ryan Clark, Channing Crowder, and Fred Taylor is super popular. You have Bustin' with the Boys with Taylor Luan and Will Compton at Barstool. You have Let's Go, Sirius XM with Tom Brady, Larry Fitzgerald, and Jim Gray. You have I Am Athlete with Brandon Marshall, All the Smoke with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson, The Dale Jr. with Dale Earnhardt Jr., The Edge with Micah Parsons, The Warner House, which is a new one with Fred Warner and his sister, Sydney Warner. There's a bunch of them. You guys get the point. But I also think it's worth pointing out that there are a few different approaches to this. Now, people ask me all the time about building a podcast, building a newsletter, building Twitter account or social media accounts in general. And I always give them one piece of feedback that I think is helpful and at least helped me when I start. It's that you need two things to be successful in the content game. You need good content and you need distribution. And they have to be combined together. And the reason I say that is simple. If you have good content, but no one sees it, no one reads it, no one listens to it, no one knows that it exists, it basically doesn't exist, right? The content could be amazing, but if no one sees it, it's worthless. But if you have distribution, if you have a huge following, if you have an audience and you put out bad content, then it doesn't matter either, right? Because while people see it and they hear it and they read it, if it sucks, they're not going to come back for more. They're not going to follow you. They're not going to subscribe. They're not going to listen to the podcast. So I think you need those two things. And the most successful athlete-driven podcast that we have today certainly have those two things, but they also are following these newer paths, I would say. Take Pat McAfee, for instance. He was a punter in the NFL. Now, punters, that lifestyle typically doesn't lend itself to building a massive fan base. Most NFL fans probably can't name many punters outside of the punter on the team that they support. But McAfee was talented, and he built an online audience that turned into one of the country's biggest sports shows. And now he's going to ESPN, which is traditional TV. You would think it's the opposite, right? You start on traditional TV, then you go to podcast. He's doing the opposite. 
He had his own show on YouTube, open network, billions of people, and his podcast. He grew it up huge. Now he's going to ESPN, and they're paying him, I think it's $85 million over however many years to license his content for 10 hours a week, two hours a day, 10 hours a week. Super impressive. He's done the reverse. I think JJ Reddick is also another great example. Now, for those of you that don't know, JJ Reddick was actually the first active NBA player to host a weekly podcast. He did it with Yahoo Sports in 2016. He then brought the show to Uninterrupted and eventually The Ringer. Now, there was this sort of like public falling out with The Ringer. I don't think there was any bad blood or anything necessarily about that, but he went to Bill Simmons and he was like, look, dude, I want to own the IP. And for those of you that don't know, a lot of these networks that these athletes are partnering up with don't want individuals or athletes or anyone really on their network to own the IP. And the reason for that is simple, right? If you want to leave, you just leave, you take the show and the network is left empty handed. Why would they give you production? Why would they give you video editors? Why would they market for you? Why would they give you PR people? Why would they help you with booking? Why would they help you with ad sales? Why would they run the podcast for you if you're just going to take the show and leave whenever you feel like it? That doesn't make a lot of sense from a business perspective. So the falling out with The Ringer was something around that. I think J.J. Redick essentially wanted to own the IP. Bill Simmons and The Ringer said, you know, that's not our motto. We don't do that for anyone, et cetera, et cetera. So J.J. Redick left. He ends up launching The Old Man and the Three, a new podcast under his own production company called 342 Productions. Now, J.J. Redick is super talented. He talks about the game in a very unique way. He has unlimited access, it seems, to some of the best athletes and best basketball players in the world. The show would be popular regardless. Regardless, I think he's super talented. I think the show is a hit. It's going to be popular any way you slice it. But the thing that I think J.J. Redick is doing really well and that's really intelligent and really smart of him is he's continuing his work with ESPN. He actually seeked this work out, right? So you'll see him on First Take. You'll see him on NBA Countdown. You'll see him doing the broadcast himself. He works a ton for ESPN during the NBA season. And the reason for that is simple. It's because he's leveraging ESPN's audience to build up his own audience on a company that he owns equity in, right? So if you look at ESPN today, sure, they pay him. I don't know what they pay him. You could probably look it up. It's probably six figures, maybe low seven figures. He shows up. He does these content hits. He does the media appearances. He broadcasts the games. But really what he's doing is he's parlaying that audience and transitioning them over to his own podcast, right? You'll see it on First Take sometimes. They play clips from his show. They have it in the bottom third. They talk about his show. And eventually what he's going to do is he's eventually going to leave ESPN, in my opinion, because the other business is going to be worth way more from an upside perspective than he has at ESPN. But for the time being, I think it's incredibly intelligent because what we're seeing is it's all about distribution, right? The three podcasts that I've primarily talked about today whether it's the Kelsey brothers or Pat McAfee or JJ Reddick, they're all chasing distribution to combine it with the talent that they have to do these shows. And they're all different, right? The Kelsey brothers, they're using Wave Sports in their social media accounts, which are pumping out hundreds of clips for them every single year to millions of accounts through their Instagram accounts and saying, hey, go follow this, go listen to this show. That's hacking distribution, right? They're using distribution that they didn't have before. This show would not be nearly as popular if they were just tweeting out their own clips and hiring an editor and making them go do it. No, Wave has this down. They produce the episode, they cut the clips, they put them on Instagram, they put them on TikTok, they put them on YouTube, and they transition this audience from their own social media accounts over to a new podcast that they own a percentage of equity in. I think it's incredibly intelligent of both Wave, but also the Kelsey brothers because they're hacking this distribution. Pat McAfee is doing the exact same thing. At first, he was using the algorithms 
through YouTube and other social media accounts, but now he's using ESPN, right? ESPN is now tweeting out clips from his show. They're putting them on Instagram to hundreds of millions of followers. His show is live broadcast on the YouTube channel of ESPN. His show is on ESPN every single day in millions of households, in millions of bars and gyms all across the country. He's hacking their distribution. And if he leaves after his deal's up in four or five years or whatever it is, his show is going to be significantly bigger than it was when he got there because of ESPN's audience. It's a win-win for everyone involved because ESPN gets access to the content, which is good for a younger generation of viewers and fans. And Pat McAfee is able to siphon off some of their audience for himself. Again, just like the Kelsey's, a different arena, a different way, but hacking that distribution. JJ Reddick, same exact thing as McAfee. Going on to ESPN, leveraging their network and on their audience to build up his own podcast network, shows and productions that he has equity in. I think it's incredibly intelligent of all three of these individuals. And there's many other people that are doing very similar things. Whether you want to look at Barstool or SiriusXM or The Pivot or The Volume, these are all essentially podcast networks that are partnering with athletes because they know they have unique access into the game. They're willing to leverage some of that and build their own audience for maybe shows that they potentially own themselves, the intellectual property, or maybe the podcast network owns themselves. But at the end of the day, it's still worthwhile for the athlete because they're building up their brand. And just like JJ Reddick, if things don't work out, they can leave and go launch their own show. Followers aren't dumb. They know when the host leaves the show. If they want to go listen to that person again, they'll go find the new show. So I'll leave you guys with this. This is a trend that has clearly emerged over the last several years. There's athletes in every single sport from the professional level down to the amateur level producing podcasts today, trying to build their own audiences and talking about the sports that they have unique access to. I think it's going to become much more popular. If I had to guess, we're really only in the first inning of this. Podcasts are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Companies like Spotify, Apple, and others are investing a lot of money in building out more podcasts and monetizing them correctly. The athletes are at the center of this in the sports media universe. The access that traditional journalists and publications have had to athletes has never been less than it is today. And my guess is that this trend only gets stronger. The Kelsey brothers, Pat McAfee and JJ Reddick may be the gold standard today, but they certainly won't be the last athletes to build a media brand while playing. 